And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you all are having a terrific week. Uh, great show today. Really fun show today. I was joined by Ash Scow. Ash is a uh, senior editor over at the Daily Wire. Uh, first time having her on the show, and uh, it was good. It was a good conversation. I think you guys will like it. We talked about the State of the Union, uh, which happened, of course, last night. We talked about the absolute disaster <laughs> that is the Democratic Iowa caucus. Uh, so yeah, a lot, a lot to break down. Uh, first, before I get to Ash, guys, uh, I want to say hi to our brand new sponsors over at Man Beard Company. Man Beard Company is a small batch beard oil company with a focus on quality and affordability. They are 100% veteran owned and operated. Guys, I talk about uh, how important it is a lot to, to support uh, veteran-owned businesses. These guys are absolutely terrific. Uh, they're based out of Castroville, Texas. Man Beard Company beard oils have the appropriate amount of fatty acids, vitamin E, vitamin A, uh, to keep your beard in great shape. Look, a lot of companies, a lot of beard oil companies make really good-smelling beard oils. Like, that's not hard. That's not the tough part. And a lot of them <laughs> smell great, but they're real greasy, oily, nasty if they get on your skin. That's not the case. Uh, you know, they, they scientifically make uh, the best, top-quality beard oils. It's not greasy. It's not oily. It, it makes your beard look great, feel great, helps it grow in thicker and stronger. Guys, trust me, it's a game changer. You'll notice the difference right away. Ladies, I know you don't have a beard, <laughs> but get some Man Beard Company beard oil for your boyfriend, for your husband, for your dad, for your kids if they're old enough to grow a beard, uh, which for me, was I, I wasn't old enough to grow a beard until I was like 25, so it took me a while. But, but anyway... Get yourself some Man Beard Company beard oil. Go to manbeardco.com. That is manbeardco.com. Use the promo code NOGIMMICKS. Once again, the promo code NOGIMMICKS, one word, NOGIMMICKS, uh, to get a great deal on your order of beard oil. Man Beard Company. Punch the bear, tame the beard. Man Beard, Man beard Company. Check them out immediately. Guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPods. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, uh, or Spotify. Uh, if you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the NoGimmicksPodcast. All right, without further ado, here's my chat with Ash Scow. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with Ash Scow, senior editor for The Daily Wire. Ash, thanks so much for taking the time today. Hey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, obviously, I do the show every Monday and Wednesday. Um, I assumed uh, we would start off today by talking about the results of the Iowa caucus. Um, but silly me, I'm just some old-fashioned idiot who assumed that the Iowa Democrats could count. Um, a, a lot to break down here. We're going to jump into all of it. But just overall, your thoughts on the absolute dumpster fire that we're watching unfold here in the great state of Iowa. Well, you've got to remember that uh, the Republicans also had their caucus and Trump ran away with it. You know, they you know, I mean, there was a few other Republicans that got some votes. I think David French got like four votes, you know, people just writing in. That, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Republicans also had a caucus. Trump won it. 
by a landslide. No problems. No uh, app developed by former Clinton people just failing <laughs> all over the place. Um, so explain that. Explain that a little further, because it came out. Yeah, the, the people that developed this app that was supposed to. I guess streamline the the Iowa caucus for the Democrats was developed by former Clinton staffers, which is just I'm not a big conspiracy guy, but yikes. I mean, that's crazy. And then also, you know, we don't need to explain the difference between a caucus and a primary, but like for the caucus, it's literally just groups of people standing there, raising their hand for the candidates. They like, like a six year old could tally up these votes. It's literally, you're just counting physical human beings. Right. I don't know exactly. why an app was even necessary, but explain a little bit more about the, the you know, this app that, that broke down or whatever, whatever happened to him, because it is, <laughs> it is hilarious. Yeah. So uh, basically the app, like, it worked as, as far as taking information in, but it failed at putting that information out. So it collected the data apparently just fine, but it was only partially releasing that data to to the people that could actually like give it, give it to the media and give it to the, the officials. So uh, and and it's just kind of funny because they said they had tested this. They said it was a problem with the coding, which if, if you remember, you know, last year, if you told a journalist to, who had been laid <laughs> off to learn to code, you would be suspended from Twitter um, unless you deleted the tweet. And of course, journalists themselves had made up the whole learn to code by, you know, being cruel to to coal miners who had lost their right. jobs. But then when it was applied to them, it's a hate crime. Right. And so I mean, but basically this app boiled down to Democrats not being not knowing how to code. <laughs> um, and so the app failed. We're still not getting all of the results. I think right now, Buttigieg is is ahead uh, by like 1% ahead of Bernie Sanders, but they both so far have the same number of delegates. And then I think Elizabeth Warren is behind them. And then um, Biden is below them. And he so far has zero delegates, right? Which is kind of surprising considering the way the polls have been going. I mean, Iowa, yeah, it's the first one, but it does kind of give you an impression of who is either going to be the top candidate or at least close to it coming going forward. So for Buttigieg to be ahead, you know, and for Biden to be, you know, like in fourth place at this point is pretty interesting. Of course, there's only 70 percent reporting, so things could possibly change. But right now it looks like Buttigieg might win. Yeah, and that's actually really surprising to me. I, I didn't really take Buttigieg too seriously but just one more th- one more point with the app this ridiculous app just imagine being Andrew Yang <laughs> exactly <laughs> like the the tech guy's like come on right. like really yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean he should that's be using his thing. it he should be using right. this to be like hey look you vote for me I am a tech guy this stuff isn't gonna happen because even like, I actually like, know how to code. I can code. Right. Come on. Democrats are <laughs> not good with technology as much as they claim to be. I mean, Obama had, you know, some basics, right? But it was mainly his popularity. But if you go back to remember well, the that, healthcare.gov the healthcare. website, <laughs> like yeah. that was a disaster. Like even the media who love Nightmare. Obama couldn't ignore the fact that live on air, the website was failing for them. <laughs> It's just great stuff. It's great stuff. And like uh, like you said, with 70% of the votes counted, uh, Mayor Pete has a slight edge. 
obviously, uh, I, I don't know what what demographics in the in the state how the breakdown goes. I don't know if the rural area areas haven't reported yet versus you know urban or I, I haven't looked too deeply into it, so we don't really know who's going to win. But I honestly I don't think that it usually like you said it does matter. It is somewhat you know somewhat of an indicator of of who's going to be the front runner going forward, but. Most of that's just the momentum you take out of Iowa, not the right. win in Iowa itself. There's only, I think, 40 or 41 delegates in the state. It's it's really minuscule. But nobody's going to get that boost. Like, nobody's going to get the, the the bragging moment, hey, I won Iowa, you know, I'm the front runner. whether it's Pete or, or Bernie Sanders. I, I mean, nobody's going to trust the results of this vote right. one way or the point, other. I mean, like, nobody's going to trust it. So nobody gets that campaign moment, that big speech propelling them into New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, and then Super Tuesday. So honestly, I like this is almost a wash to me. Like I think the the real primary start with the next three states in Iowa, you can kind of throw it out. I mean, I may be wrong, but you know, I I don't know. I don't see either well, not either any of these campaigns getting a significant boost in the polls after this. Right, absolutely because I mean, there's also that video going around of the one person at the poll with the coin toss to give like Buttigieg, oh right? And it was just like, it was the most ridiculous thing ever. It'd be like, I would be challenging the heck out of it if it was only three little delegates, but it was like, that guy was like holding the coin in his hand, then like just turning it over, then looking at it and turning it over and then being like, yeah, Buttigieg. So it's like, you can't trust anything with this. And I mean, as much <laughs> as the Democrats tried to claim that Russia interfered with our election in 2016 and then to see this just absolute debacle that occurred months day it's like uh you know what don't trust you with our election like at all my favorite i would love i would love to see the russians i would love to see the russians try to interfere with the corn toss i don't even know what that would look like well like one of my favorite things to come out of this was that like the democrats and their you know media supporters we're trying to blame iowa all those bumpkins in iowa right you know how they're disdain for anyone that's not in the liberal east you know, east or west coast that's thinking like, oh, Iowa screwed up. And it's like, it was the Democrats that messed up. Right. I saw there's a, <laughs> that, the video of the coin toss where uh, I forget, I think it was Warren and, and Pete Buttigieg were tied. So they flipped the coin to see who got the dele- delegate in some precinct. And I mean, that's just a hilarious way to <laughs> decide who the nominee is in general. But I saw a lot of, uh, you know, anarcho capitalist types. On Twitter, and I'm not an anarchist. I'm sympathetic to anarchists. I'm maybe anarchist adjacent, I suppose. I'm really not a fan of the government, but I'm not. I'm not quite there, you know. <laughs> I see some utility in the state, I suppose. But a lot of the the anarcho-capitalist types were <laughs> quote tweeting that video and like this. This is the precious democracy that uh, <laughs> we're. I'm supposed to be so worried about the Russians interfering with. Like this is your democracy, you know. And it's yeah. like, yeah, it's just my my goodness. These people are just embarrassing themselves. But this whole time, I I've, I've maintained for and like I said, we didn't really learn much. Uh, we I, we don't even know who is going to win Iowa yet. You know, two days later. But <laughs> I've maintained for months that Biden would end up being the nominee. And I, just because I just couldn't see the Democratic Party going full commie. I couldn't see him nominating a pretentious little hack like Pete Buttigieg. I mean, that guy's just the worst. Um, Elizabeth Warren, fake Indian. Like, all these, you know, mini Mike Bloomberg. Like, like I just can't. 
So I'm like, it's going to be Biden by default, but it's looking like he's falling apart. I mean, the dude doesn't know where he is. His campaign is disorganized. He's coming in fourth, maybe even fifth in Iowa. Yeah. I don't know, Ash. Like, obviously, we'll know more after these first four states, like after Nevada, New Hampshire, South Carolina. But do you think it's going to be Bernie? Do you think it like a Bloomberg can sweep in with his $60 billion and then steal it? Or like, what do you think? Because like, I'm starting to, you know, waver on my whole Biden's going to be the guy thing. Well, if the DNC, which they're already apparently talking about how they're going to stop Sanders, I I think Sanders would be the only one who could actually beat Trump. Because remember in 2016, when it was all, no, you need somebody sane and Trump's insane. He could never beat Hillary Clinton. But it's like, no, Trump was the only one who could beat Hillary Clinton. And that Sanders seems to be of that same kind of cultish following kind of mindset of, you know, burn it all down, everything will change with this guy, right? And the Democrats just don't want him. They And so it already looks like they're going to try and, you know, bring back the superdelegates that they already said they were going to stop, you know, that helped, hit, you know, pro uh, get Hillary ahead back in 2016. And now they're going to change it back because, oh, Sanders might win. So if you take Sanders kind of out of the equation, um, because of his phenomenon, then you were kind of left with, you know, Bernie Sanders light, which is Elizabeth Warren, who's trying to somehow be between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, but she's just taking the worst of both of them. <laughs> and, uh, Buddha judge is kind of that outside. We don't really know him very much. And so we can't dislike him <laughs> because we don't know who he is. But he looks sweet and nice, and, you know, a lot of times all people are hearing from him is him just being sweet and nice, not his nastiness against Vice President Pence or, you know, any of the all other horrible things he says. He is you know, obsessed with Mike Pence. Right. It's it's obsessed. absurd. I think he has a crush. But, like, then yeah, you've seriously. got— it's, um, it's getting weird at this point. Right. You've got Biden, who's just been there forever, and the Democratic Party has just moved past him. I mean, they hate— all the things he used to stand for, right? It was the same thing with Bill Clinton, where now all of Bill Clinton's greatest achievements are just awful because they're not inclusive enough or they're somehow racist or they're this or they're that, right? Because the Democratic Party has moved so far to the left that someone like Biden almost doesn't have a chance. He only has a chance because of the whole mainstream, moderate, establishment Democrats. But as far as voters these days... I don't, you know, I don't know. And if Biden doesn't pull something out in Iowa, I mean, I looked back, you know, we Trump won on the Iowa caucuses, right? For some reason, I had thought that um, uh, Santorum won in 2012, but I guess Romney won. I think Santorum won, but they had the same amount of delegates or something like that. It was some weird. Am I wrong about that? He uh, he had percentage points, um, but uh, yeah, he percentage points. He he won. He eked out a winning, right? But over Romney. But um, you know, so I I mean, but again, Romney would then be second, whereas uh, you know Biden being in fourth at quite a distance, right? Not like a close fourth. Um, that that that's not really good for Biden. 
going forward to, you, you know, I mean, you think about, remember in 2016, Rubio had the three, two, one plan where he was going to come in mm-hmm. third in Iowa and then he'd come in second in New Hampshire. And then in South Carolina, I think he, it was, he'd be first, right? Obviously that didn't work out for him, No, but no, Biden at this point would have to have some kind of like five to one plan, right? Or if he comes in fourth in Iowa or fifth, <laughs> right? Uh, then he's going to have to... Just doesn't to, have the same ring to it. Right. 4-2-1, right? But he's just going <laughs> to have to... I mean, he might do well in New Hampshire and, and going forward. I mean, Iowa might, you know, mean nothing for this primary, but it would be kind of a damper for Biden to come in a distant fourth. I just don't want... Look, here, this might be an unpopular position, but I, I like that the DNC is trying to rig the primaries against Bernie Sanders. Again. I mean, I think it's... like it, it's Again, it's that's good. I, I think it's their patriotic duty to do that. Like, yes, rig the primary against an open communist. Yes. Like, keep a communist as far away from power as, as you, you can and do whatever you got to do to make that happen. Like, I'm, I'm, I say that unironically. I'm, I'm being completely serious. Like, they absolutely should rig... The primary to keep uh, Bernie Sanders away from from power. I, I'm absolutely fine with that, to be honest. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see. I think it's it's almost like with this shit show in Iowa that New Hampshire is the first primary. You know, I think we're going to learn. I, Bernie Sanders is going to win, uh, but it's kind of like who else does well. And then same with you know Biden will win South Carolina too. So mm-hmm. kind of we know who's going to win, but it's looking at uh, you know who else you know comes in in at least double digits yeah. and who starts dropping out. And I, hopefully we can narrow this field down a little bit. It's about the, <laughs> the friends we make couple along weeks. the way. It is. Iowa, is Iowa even real or is Iowa just the friends we made along the way? Who knows? I don't know. But let's change gears here. Uh, um, the State of the Union was last night. I'm going to start with my annual complaint that I hate the State of the Union. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like some weird like Roman Empire shit. Like it's it's real weird. Like I don't... Uh, I don't like the pomp and circumstance. Government officials are essentially glorified post office workers. They they work for us. Like we shouldn't be glorifying them like this. But yeah. you know, look, George Washington used to just send, send Congress a one page letter every year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can go back to that. The State of the Union happy. is good or bad. Yeah, know, one way or the other. If so Trump I, could I'd just prefer send a that tweet. State of the Union, strong with like a thumbs up emoji. Strong. <laughs> and then bicep emojis. You know, <laughs> bicep emojis, thumbs yeah. up. State of the Union is yeah. strong. There you go. I'd, I'd be fine with that. But look, Trump is really good at this stuff. He's really good at these speeches. And honestly, in my opinion, it was probably his best uh, State of the Union. What what jumped out to you? Did you like the speech? Uh, all that good stuff. I actually did like the speech. Um, I There was some, you know, partisan snaps, right? Little barbs that he threw out. But for the most part, it was look at where the employment, unemployment is. Look at where the jobs are created. Look at, you know, all of these just positive things for the country. And then look at these great people that I would like to honor tonight. Like the soldiers, you know, he had the, the, the Marine come back to his wife and kids, right? Like right there, you know, things like that, you know, and the soldiers who have died and it, you know, I cried like a lot during it last <laughs> night it was or you know the little kid who was the great grandson of the Tuskegee airmen you know honoring them the kid that wants to be in space force you know i mean like that was all great stuff that is something that i 
one thing I do like about the State of the Union are those moments for any president that's look at this person's great story. You've never heard of this person. Here's their story. You know, like I, I kind of like that aspect of it, whether no matter what president does it, you know, to just show off real people with real stories. Um, so I obviously enjoyed that. And a lot of the, hey, look at, hear the stats of the country, you know, and, and I know the media tries to fact check it all by saying, well, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Or, you know, that was Obama or something. And it, it just reminds me that like during the Obama, Obama years. If anything good happened, Obama did that. Everything bad was Bush. Now it's the Trump years and right. anything good that happens was Obama still. And anything bad is Trump, you know, like it's just no matter where Obama is, it's like all the good stuff is him. Right. It, it, which is ridiculous because, you know, Trump's policies of, and just the attitude he's shown the country has, you know, made people feel better. Right. And, uh, you're you're right about a lot of those moments and the the great people that Trump highlighted during the speech. I I actually disagree with you. Like I usually hate that stuff. Um, it kind of makes me uncomfortable uh, when presidents do that. The whole bringing random people up and having them stand up and it's like it, it almost seems a little cringy to me. Like I I, can I, get it. You know, I like, usually with, don't like it, but with the there, you're right. Yeah, hey, let's watch this right. poor woman cry. It does feel. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's putting people on the spot. It's, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. But there were, like you said, some awesome moments. The the kid that wants to be in Space Force. I mean, look, who doesn't want to be in Space Force? Yeah. I'm almost 31 years old, and I want to be in Space Force. Me I assume too. it's just like Star Wars. But, you know, and, and obviously he recognized the Tuskegee Airmen, war hero from World War II, and promoted him to Brigadier General. He also recognized uh, Rush Limbaugh, obviously, who was just diagnosed with uh, with lung cancer. Um, presented him with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest civilian honor, um, and that that was a beautiful moment. It, it got a little dusty at uh, at my mm-hmm. house too. With when when <laughs> seeing Russian Limbaugh cry like that was a uh, ooh that was, that was a rough one. But and also look, I I think a lot about um, how to how to own the libs, obviously, on on a daily basis. I'm sure you do as well. But um, I, I, Trump is so good at this, though. I mean, can, can you own the libs harder than giving Rush? Limbaugh, the Presidential Medal of Freedom during the State of the Union. Well, I think like, <laughs> like that is just, well, yeah, that, they that triggered definitely they hurt. triggered the shit out of them. Like, oh my, Democratic heads were exploding. My I goodness. think it was, it was, it was wonderful. better troll for him to not troll when he was talking about black unemployment and Hispanic unemployment, and he was pointing out the Tuskegee Airmen, and he was pointing out. You know, the the man who who had overcome a drug addiction and was now successful. Right. When he was pointing out these people, when he was talking about how, you know, women have taken, you know, 72 percent of the new jobs and the Democrats just had out of pettiness and hatred sat and wouldn't clap for, you know, these supposed, you know, groups that they care about more than Republicans, right? Like Democrats are supposed to be the ones who care about Hispanics and blacks and women. And yet yet they sat through all of that. I mean, I, there was all those women that wore white for suffrage, right? (laughs) And yet they did not clap or stand when Trump announced that, you know, women were taking most of the new jobs created in this country. Like, really? Right. The, you're supposed to be for women, but you're not going to cheer for women that are doing well because of Trump. OK, that is that is the Democratic Party right now. 
And it's not just that they wouldn't stand. I mean, parties do that all the time. When they bring up a partisan point, you know, if they talk about cutting taxes, the Republicans are going to stand, the Democrats are going to sit because right. they, they want to raise But those weren't But it's like, yeah, points. when you're talking about the lowest black and female unemployment ever, really, and they weren't just sitting down. They were just scowling like little petulant children. Like, it made them look so small. Yeah, it right. made they them, made hated, them look so small. Like, they want these people to suffer under Trump. Yes. Like, that's yes. what they want, and they made it yes. very clear. Yes. I mean, they're, they're open. I mean, you remember the Bill Maher thing uh, a few months back, rooting for a recession just to hurt Trump. Like, the, these people legitimately do want the American people to suffer so they can hurt the president. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Right. They want Trump to fail, and so they want America to fail. They just... It's like they want blacks, women, Hispanic. They want them all to suffer just so that they can because they hate Trump so much. Like that is really, really pathetic. I know. And that that sounds hyperbolic, but it's not. I mean, these people aren't hiding the ball anymore. This is absolutely what they want. And a couple more moments uh, before we move on. A couple moments in the speech that I really liked, too. And there was some stuff I didn't like. Like Trump had an applause line saying he wasn't going to touch entitlements. So I'm like, yeah, that's right, not to well, applause. We haven't had that, a that could, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could destroy the union sooner than later. By the way, so all right, uh, no uh, president has that. mentioned entitlement reform since 2013, and it's it's <laughs> like the Democrats want to claim we have 12 years until climate change destroys us all, or if it's eight months or 14 years or 10 years or whatever, you know, whatever theory and prediction that the the you know, the climate, not even scientists, because they're not predicting that, but, you know, the no. the, base, the 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 rain talkers, right, where, where rain <laughs> dancers, whatever, whatever they're using to try and come up with this. Missing the Liz fact Warren. that we have a guaranteed numbers predicted failure of the entitlement system coming rather shortly. Oh, yeah. We can have this is how much is going in this is how much is being taken out those numbers don't like that That that's not a oh well based on you know where this uh, island is now versus the ocean temperature back then possibly we can predict no no no, no. these are like actual numbers and math you that you yeah. can't just that's not a prediction and it's fact and we're yeah, doing I mean, the, the world's nothing the world's gonna be fine the world, world's going to be fine uh, regarding climate change in 12 years, but Medicare and Medicaid will be insolvent within 10 years. That's a fact, and nobody wants to talk about it. So I have no idea why Trump got an applause line from that. That was pretty shameful. But there, there's a couple really great moments. Um, the president went really hard in the paint against socialism. <laughs> and uh, uh, hardest hit Bernie Sanders, obviously. But he, he even brought Juan Guaido, the, the true Venezuelan president, um, to the Capitol as, as his guest, um, and and he he got a, a, a long applause break for that, and 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 I thought that was fantastic. He stood up for guns, stood up for free speech. Uh, he went full bore uh, in support of uh, school choice. Yeah, which uh, which I thought was incredible. And and he said uh, the president said, "quote No child should be trapped in failing government schools." Okay, like that is one true. I mean that that's completely true. Two. That's the kind of language that degenerate libertarians like yours truly uses, <laughs> okay? Right. Failing government schools. That's what they are, but that, that's the kind of language I use on this podcast. So I was blown away that the president of the United States uh, called out government schools 
for, for what they are. Right. And the school choice thing was always something that fascinated me because I did not understand why liberals were opposed to it. Right. Why? There's there's nothing. There's yeah. Well, I actually spoke to a hardcore liberal about it a few years ago. It was like, why is this bad? And she was telling me that it's because if students leave a good school, then the students left behind then are going to be failing even worse or something, and there's something about transportation to to these new schools, and it was like, okay, so why don't you guys try to focus on figuring that out, rather than trying to keep everybody down? So, I mean, like, if some students can get away, you you seriously want to hold them back to fail along with others. Absolutely. I, it just goes down to indoctrination more than anything. And, and most people, well, I mean, so the Bernie Sanders types just admit it. They want to use government schools to indoctrinate your children, and that's why they want to make college free. But, uh, you know, most people won't openly admit that unless you're a, a, a straight up dirty commie. But it's just about indoctrination. And just it, it, and the teachers you know, it's unions, a big issue for me. It, it's a big issue for me. If down, teachers lose their jobs. Right. Bad right. teachers it, 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 lose their jobs. It, it's a big issue for me because I went to to public schools for most of my schooling and I learned one thing and that was how to fight. I learned how was to it, knock how to kids win? out, be- oh. how to fight. I learned how to knock kids out before they could knock me out because well, I got jumped so often. So, so that's what I learned in government schools, how to well, fight for my fucking life. Too, that was and it. I can tell you that in different states, because I've lived all over the country, the different states are very different. And um, my, my best... Uh, example is that in Orlando, the schools were not political. And if a student brought up something political in a classroom, I remember a teacher at one point saying, no, we don't talk. We're not talking politics. I'm not going to give, you know, my uh, opinion or whatever. And then I moved to Massachusetts and there it was all, you know, Bush is evil. Democrats are great. Republicans want to kill you. Democrats love you, right? Everything would be great if Bush were never president, you know, and it's just all the time. It didn't matter what class, like, like it was just open. And, you know, I could tell you a lot that people claim, oh, up in the liberal Northeast, the schools are so much better. They're not. Like I learned way more at my school in Orlando than I did up in Massachusetts, because in Massachusetts, it was all memorize this, take a test, memorize this, take a test. In Orlando, we actually used what we were learning in order to retain it. And so this, this idea, you know, that public schools get lumped into so like all one big category, and it's not true. It's state to state, county to county, city to city, school to school. And so there isn't a one size uh, you know, fit solution, but school choice isn't a one size fits all solution. It is the anti that (laughs) it is go to the school that, that is better for you. And And to oppose it, I mean, Republicans need to harp on that way more by the fact that Democrats don't want your kid to go to a better school. Absolutely. And school choice benefits minorities more than it benefits white people. Absolutely. That's a fact. Because a lot of the worst public school districts are in heavily minority communities. Mm-hmm. And these, these people need to get out of that, that system and, and have school choice. When I was 
when I was in uh, ninth grade, I, I transferred out or, out of government schools to a charter school, and things my life <laughs> immediately improved. I stopped getting in fist fights all the time. I actually started learning things occasionally. Not much. I wasn't a very, uh, you know. Great student in high school. Studious, <laughs> but but no, no, I wasn't. I wasn't too interested at the time. But um, it was a a vast improvement in lifestyle than uh, going to failing government schools, like the president said. And I'm really glad he uh, he brought that up. Hopefully, um, Republicans, like you said, run with it because it's 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 a winning issue. It's a winning issue, especially making inroads into minority communities. I think it's a, a major winning issue. Yeah. But uh. I know we're. I know you're already over time. I'm, I've already kept you longer than I said I would. But one more thing before I let you go. One more topic is uh, uh Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> who, who is just terrible at this. She is just terrible at this. By the way, we all used to say like, yeah, Nancy Pelosi's the worst, but she's a, she's really smart. She's an effective politician. She's you know a cunning politician that we should you know fear essentially. I'm starting to think that was bullshit. I think she's kind of a moron. But uh, she she. You know, looked at the camera and tore up Trump's speech, you know, for the cameras right after he was done delivering the State of the Union. And my goodness, like when politicians try to outdo Trump, it backfires. Like Trump could get away with like a stunt like that. And people would be like, oh, that's just Trump. It's fine. But it just makes Nancy Pelosi look just small and ridiculous. It makes her look just so petty. Right. Uh, what your thoughts on, on Nancy Pelosi embarrassing herself on national well, television first... in front of 50 million people? At first, I wanted to maybe give her the benefit of the doubt that, you know what, I hate being offered papers that I'm never going to do anything with when I go places. It's just <laughs> like, okay, thank you for this. I'm either going to leave it there or I'm going to fold it up, put it in my purse and throw it away later. So right. I wanted to kind of give her the benefit of the doubt that it was like, oh, that's just her way of doing it, you know, and she didn't even think about it. Not that, like she hasn't done it before at the State of the Union. So was kind of out of there but then she had to come out and say like yeah I ripped it up it was all lies and it's like oh okay so unemployment is really high right now I guess I I don't know I I mean maybe if she's just looking at the world from her district you know the way San Francisco is then yeah everything Trump said was a lie because while the country is moving forward California complete opposite crime going up unemployment going up everything's awful in a state that is as far left politically as you can get so maybe that's where she's getting all of this from but uh yeah she just she just i mean it's just so stupid to do that like who are you like playing for i mean yeah the far left of your base but you already had them like you just look petty you look like, the, like someone who sits during the national anthem or doesn't hold their hand over their heart during the Pledge of Allegiance. Right. And, like, this is this is what I thought of watching that last night. And this is where my mind went immediately. So bear with me for a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 22% of American voters, one in five American voters, use Twitter. Right? A, a very small percentage of the electorate uses Twitter. Right. And 75% of political posts on Twitter are on the left. Okay, so only one in five voters are on Twitter to begin with, and two-thirds of those people are leftists. Okay, so, like, Democrats loved the whole Nancy Pelosi tearing up the, the speech stunt and stuff. But look, 50 million people, somewhere between 45 and 50 million people watched the State of the Union. It was a good speech. Like, the, the hardcore commies, you know, hardcore progressives are going to hate it because they hate everything Trump does. 
But I'd assume because it was a good speech, he ended with the best is yet to come. Like it was literally an uplifting speech. I assume something like 75% of the people watching the speech last night approved of the speech. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because usually, no matter what party is, is in power, usually two thirds or three quarters of the country approves of the State of the Union. I mean, it's Obama, Bush, Trump, it doesn't matter. And so Twitter leftists, I, I think they're going to be shocked when they find out. Like, I hope I hope somebody does some polling data on this. Who approved of the, the speech and who approved of Nancy Pelosi being a bitch at the end of the speech? <laughs> you know what I mean? I really want to see some some polling breakdowns of that because I think I think Twitter leftists are in this bubble. Like, they are truly in an echo chamber. And I think they'd be shocked to find out the percentage of Americans that approved of the State of the Union versus the percentage of Americans approve of the Speaker of the House being a, a dumbass at the end for the campus. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I, I just don't think this is going to play Twitter, well for Pelosi. The left on Twitter really, truly believes that they represent the country and that the country thinks like them. I mean, you right. constantly see them making statements that are just like, what? I didn't know this was a thing. And it's like literally everyone that's not in the bubble is like, yeah, we knew that was a thing. You know, I mean, it goes back to, oh gosh, what was it? There was some reporter, some columnist, it was like New York Times years ago, I think under Bush that was like, well, I don't know anyone who voted for Bush. How could he win? And it's just like, well, <laughs> it says more about you yeah. than anyone else. The thing is, and I, I think uh, this is kind of off topic, but I think it's wrong when we, we all say this all the time, like everybody's in their own bubble, everybody's in their own echo, echo chamber, the right and the left. I don't think that's true. Like the right, like I don't think I could construct a world where I was in a right wing bubble. Like I, no, I just don't think it's not. possible. I, I live in Toledo, Ohio, one of the bluest cities in the entire Midwest. Okay, my my Democratic Congresswoman wins re-election every two years with something like eighty to eighty-five percent of the vote. Okay, I've, in my lifetime, I've never had a Republican mayor, I've never had a Republican congressman, I've never had a Republican city councilman, I've never never had a Republican state representative or state senator. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the list of politicians I've voted for that have won: Kasich, Dewine, Portman, Trump. That's it. The other two hundred politicians I voted for have lost. Kasich. Okay? Oh. I mean, uh, you... better than better than the alternative at the time. Yeah. Sorry, I know, I know, I know, I know. But um, but the thing is, like, I, in every movie I watch is left leftist. Every t- anytime I turn on the television, every athlete I root for votes against me. Every musician I listen to roots against me. Like every like, I, unless you live in rural Texas on a right wing commune compound. I and know the someone only, who does. <laughs> but and, and like in the only media, and the only media you absorb is talk radio. Like, yeah. how could you even, even he, be in a yeah. right wing bubble? It's but not even possible in, unless you're. He works in the media, friend. so even he can't have like a bubble <laughs> right. constructed out of that because he has to know what the other side is saying. Right. Like, like, I just don't just think it's. Possible. Yeah, it's not possible for us to live in a bubble, but the left does. Like, they're so comfortable there, and I just don't think I. Pelosi's stunt is going to backfire. It makes her look bad. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump gets a two or three point bump in his approval rating after this speech. I just don't. None of the left's tricks, none of Trump's opponents. He does have a superpower tricking his opponents to behave worse than he does. Yeah. You know, like we remember Marco Rubio with the accusing Trump of having a small dick thing. It's like, how did he yeah. think that was going to play well? Like, no, Trump can say that because it's funny and he's Trump and he's a funny guy. He's an entertainer. Like, just a normal, like. 
yeah, like a normal respectable senator from Florida is not going to get away with that. And Pelosi, right. like Trump could get away with doing what Pelosi did. I don't think she can. So these people keep falling into the same trap over and over. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and, and to that point, I mean, I, I do think it's hilarious because he gets all of his opponents to act the way they claim that he does. Right. Right. So the Democrats sitting through all of the good news about the country, just acting like it was like they hated it. You know, <laughs> they couldn't dispute it. It wasn't even a like, no, that's a lie moment. It was literally they just hated that the country was doing well at all under Trump, because remember, <laughs> they had predicted death and destruction, you know, everywhere. And uh, it's just not happening. And they hate it because they seriously wanted the country to fail. I mean, they're they're still shocked that we've all survived uh, net neutrality. Right. I think, uh, I think that net they, neutrality, the tax that. cuts. I mean, what else were we supposed to drop dead from? I, I mean, net neutrality was the funniest one because it was like, I mean, quite literally can't can't hurt you in any way. I'm pretty sure the only the only casualty in the Trump era was uh, Merrick Garland. Rest in peace. Oh, I was going to say Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> Or Jeffrey Epstein. Damn it. Of course. Why did I, how did I forget about old Jeff? My goodness. All right, Ash, thank you so much for doing this. You've been more than generous with your time. I've kept you way over time. Um, but before I let you go, no where can everybody follow you online and keep in touch and read all your stuff and, and all that good stuff? You can follow me online at Ash Scow. That's A-S-H-E-S-C-H-O-W. And you can uh, read my work on dailywire.com. You can also follow me on Facebook. I believe that's ash.scal there as well. All <laughs> right, everybody follow Ash. She is great. Everybody check out dailywire.com. They're really doing the Lord's work over there. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I will be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Uh-huh.